This is Identity at the Center. If it has anything to do with IAM, this is the go-to podcast. So if you're a beginner or an expert or anyone in between, you've found your new home. Welcome to Identity at the Center. Now your hosts, Jim McDonald and Jeff Stedman. Welcome to the Identity at the Center podcast. I'm Jeff and that's Jim. Hey, Jim. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Not so bad yourself. And I feel like I've been seeing a lot of you lately. You sure have. <laughs> Why is that? Well, we've been back to traveling together. And then this week we were at the Gartner IAM Summit and we did a um, podcast on stage together, which was mm-hmm. fun. That was the first time we've ever done that. And then we had a, a fun uh, event that night. So we'll get to talk about all that. But yeah, we've been hanging tough, man. Yeah, we've been on the road quite a bit, kind of like the good old days. But yeah, Gartner was fun this week. And really, that's what I think what this episode is all about, just kind of recapping our experience from this week. So you and I were at Gartner basically Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And today is Friday, and this episode will go live the following Monday. So you'll be hearing this sort of in in real time, almost sort of for us. But it was a great, it was a cool experience, man. I mean, definitely want to give a shout out to Henrique and Becky you know, they brought it to our session. Um, it was a good time, man. It, it was cool doing that sort of podcast style session. If you were there, great. You saw it and you were part of it. If you weren't, we're still hopeful maybe that we might be able to get the recording at some point. But as of now, it is a kind of had to be there or be square uh, type of uh, situation. Yeah, I also think that um, even if we do get the audio, it might not be the best, cleanest audio of of any episode we've ever published. I know that Henrique's, um, his mic was going in and out and things like that. So it's just the way it is. Yeah. I mean, there were a few, there were a few logistics issues, but I think the actual content and stuff like that was, was pretty good. We got some laughs in the room and kind of, you know, put their, put the, had them put their, their thinking hats on, including the one that I was looking forward to is Gartner pay for play and Henrique answering that. And then well, this was probably one of my favorite moments was he he answered what he answered. And then before I, did, I before we let him answer, I said, OK, you don't have to convince me. You've got to convince the audience. Right. So all the people in the audience were asked afterwards. So raise your hand if you were convinced by Henrique's thing. And about half the people raised their hands. But Henrique said 97 percent looks good to me. And then we moved on. (laughs) I really like that. Yeah, it was clear the audience was kind of like mixed reactions on that one. Yeah, if you're audio only that you would think the 97 percent really happened. (laughs) But yeah, it was. um, So was that your favorite question? I I think that was the one I think I was most looking forward to to see what the answer was. I mean, they were they were all fun. I mean, we had a good time, you know listener questions came in. There were some really good ones about Toma Bravo and what are they doing and seeing what Henrique and Becky are, you know, thoughts were if I had to sum it up, they had a good answer, but they don't know either. <laughs> so they don't know either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're all kind of wondering like what's going on over there. What about you? Well, I, I don't know if it was my favorite question, or my favorite answer. So the question was, what was your most embarrassing moment? <laughs> <laughs> and Becky was more than happy to pass that over to Henrique, but he told a hilarious story. So, um, yeah. I don't want to spoil it here because I feel like this is something you should go up to Henrique and ask about. Oh, well, that's going to kind of take the, the air out of my story then. So, okay, that's fine. 
But that yeah. was that I was mean, the best question. His most it was, embarrassing moment. Yes, it was definitely our end on a lighter note was definitely worth it. Um, if you see Henrique, ask him about the cut the cheese story. And I think that's probably where to leave it. Because no one's gonna tell it better than him, right? I think that's just kind of the way it goes. But oh, sh- he shared a great story about that. Yeah, no, he definitely <laughs> <laughs> he definitely owned it. You know, we had yeah. a funny moment. Speaking of cutting the cheese. Um, we got a, an Uber ride back. I think it was that night and the Uber driver had fart mode in his Tesla. Yeah. I'd never heard of it, but apparently like the Tesla is capable of like putting whoopee cushions under any seat within the car. And I could just imagine like three or four year olds (laughs) who are in the car and you know, the car is going around and just doing the whoopee cushion under everybody sitting in the car and them just having a good old time. Yeah. I don't have to imagine because I have nieces and nephews that have been in the car and I have, uh, demonstrated that feature as part of the Tesla, but it is a lot of fun. I mean, you we and were Denise four, were getting the, out of it. <laughs> me and Denise. Yeah. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah, we were just, we were crying laughing. Yeah, it was, uh, it was good times. So, um, I'm interesting for sure. Uh, I'm going to, yeah, I want to go back to our session real quick because I thought, you know, Henrique's story was great about what's your most embarrassing moment. I'm going to give a shout out to Becky because she did the ultimate pro move and said, oh, she didn't answer it. She said, oh, Henrique's got a great story and then just went over to him. So uh, hats off again uh, to Becky for uh, that ultimate deflection. I thought that was well played. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, my my overall impression of the session was super positive looking around the audience and seeing so many people who have been part of our professional past for the past, you know, decade plus in consulting people we know who listen to the podcast, you know, former clients or former colleagues and, you know, new people that we're, we're meeting on almost a daily basis. And then folks coming up after uh, the, the session and saying like, and you guys did a really good job, asked a lot of tough questions. Cause I don't really think of, identity at the center is like face the nation, right? I mean, we, our question, I wouldn't say they're softball questions, but they're, you know, not putting anybody on the spot. I kind of feel like some of those questions were tough questions. And, you know, I think people really appreciated that. It wasn't a, it it wasn't a waste of 30 minutes. It wasn't a big, you know, rah, rah Gartner pitch. Yeah. And we asked questions that we, that we thought, you know, they, you haven't heard Gartner analysts answer, you know, a dozen times already before, which is cool. I think we did that well. Um, you know, hopefully we get invited back to do something, you know, similar in the future, which would be very cool. But, um, yeah, I think we, I think we had a good show and yeah, that's pretty much all I think I hope for is 30 minutes. It went by really quickly. (laughs) Um, and yeah. So then we had an event that night. We went ax throwing, which is super cool. Definitely got to give a shout out to RSM, Okta, One Cosmos. Uh, they sponsored that entire thing. We rented out an entire place to do axe throwing, classic video games. Um, there was food. There was a bar. Um, there was not a lot of shop talk, which was great. It was just basically a bunch of people having fun, uh, listeners, and you know, had a great turnout. So lots of folks attended, which is very cool. It was a very competitive night. I think everybody did their thing kind of Tuesday night. So um, understand if we weren't, you know, if you weren't able to attend, that's cool. We had a good time anyway. And uh, I've discovered that if the identity thing doesn't work out and the podcasting doesn't work out, I may turn professional axe thrower. 
How did you do? <laughs> I did pretty good, man. I, I, I definitely am not going to be a professional exorer, but I had a fantastic time. And I, I also want to thank our sponsors, RSM Okta and One Cosmos, because I, I think the special touch in this was that, you know, it's kind of like, look, us as the Identity at the Center podcast, we've been doing this, you know, vendor neutral, vendor agnostic approach, and it works for us, right? So having a sponsored event was kind of like, I was a little concerned on how that would be perceived. But I think one of the things that made it really work was at the event, it, there was, it wasn't like a pressure pitch, right? It wasn't like, because I've been on the customer side of things before getting into consulting and went to, you know, dinners or events held by, by vendors. And sometimes you get like that, that hard pitch, like when are you going to sign the paperwork to buy our software? And it's like, <laughs> it's like by the timeshare of a condo, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like that, that kind of pitch. And it's like, there was none of that going on and everybody was just free to enjoy themselves and free to throw the axes and play the video games and, you know, enjoy the buffet and all that good stuff. So it was a great night. Got to meet a lot of folks who listened to the show. I know some people signed up and weren't able to make it. I think, you know, that's the nature of the beast. And certainly like anybody who wasn't able to attend still, you know, would love to connect at some point in the future. Um, and I'm sure we'll do something you know, in the future. I mean, this isn't our last conference and you know, there'll not be our last rodeo. We're already thinking usually about people, our next one. <laughs> usually people say this ain't my first rodeo. I think right. we, you know, it went well enough. We can say it's not our last rodeo. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what else about the conference itself? I mean, we had a great session. We had a great event ourselves, but uh, I, I think the session, the, the, the conference itself was good. So the opening keynote kind of kicked right off with a bang. Uh, it was Lead Like a Wolf by Tina uh, Nuno. I hope I pronounced it right. Um, basically asking the question of kind of like, what kind of CISO are you, or CIO are you? And there was a test to take in the app on the web. All the link in our show notes, so people can kind of take the test. But, you know, the idea I think was, it was interesting to, you know, to see the different animals and what her thought process was going into this. You and I both took the test. Do you want to share what kind of CIO you are? Sure. So the animals are, you know, basically the, they give you, after you finish, you get a graphic and there's the light side and the dark side. And on the both sides, there's three different categories, power, manipulation, and warfare. So the light side is like uh, warfare is a dolphin. Manipulation is some kind of... Um, it's a dove a bird and power is like a sheep. So <laughs> the light side means like you're, I, I guess like you're not that aggressive. The dark side is power is a, a lion manipulation is a snake warfare is a shark. So my approach to power was lion, uh, which is basically <laughs> positional and coercive power. That's not so horrible. I don't really think of myself that way, but you know, I guess I answered the questions. Your approach to manipulation, wolf. Your approach to warfare, junior wolf, um, which probably just keeps me barely on the dark side. I guess I don't like to uh, beat people up too much. And your extreme animal profile, wolf CIO, which I think is like so. Wolf was like right in the center, which meant I think you're you're like the Jedi. You're you're on the light. You're you're in the light, but maybe you're in the gray. You're more know, of a gray Jeff, Jedi if you're in the middle. 
yeah, I don't really know much about Jedi, so I don't know why I used that analogy, but I did. <laughs> yeah. So I got Wolf straight across the board. I was kind of surprised with, but I guess that's where you kind of want to be is in the middle. I think that was the idea, right, is to be kind of flexible. But I was talking with people after the, you know, after the session about it, and I feel like this is another area where context and audience matters. There's a time to be a snake, I guess. I don't I don't feel like there's ever time to be a snake, but in the concept of of this test, right, a snake versus a dove or a sheep versus a lion, you know, are you launch or liability is essentially the uh, sort of the thing. But um, I would have liked to seen a Jedi version of this, but I can't imagine uh, Disney would be, uh, you know, willing to license out <laughs> for stuff like that. But in the middle are the gray Jedi, the wolf, right? They're able to adapt and sort of filter out and, you know, change, you know, what's needed. So, uh, so I ended up being a wolf and that's just where I am. I, I'm curious to see what other people we know if they've taken the test uh, I think Daniel mentioned he was a wolf. Um, you know, I'm curious if we'll have a link in our show notes. Take the test. Hit us up on LinkedIn. You know what you end up with if you're surprised or with that. Or maybe reach out to Tina as you know she's the one to kind of put this together. But I thought it was really cool. Great way to like open up the conference was having something like that right away. And really, all the keynotes are great. They were not so much technology focused. They were more on people, psychology, um, you know, bias. Um, inclusion, diversity, things like that. There was plenty of technical content. I think the keynotes did a good job of sort of, you know, weighing up the other side of it. So it wasn't so, um, you know, focused on any one specific area. I think if you went to Gardner and the keynote was about, you know, IGA <laughs> or role <laughs> management, I'd be like, this is garbage. Um, because, the keynotes are supposed to open your mind about topics you don't think about every day. So to me, this sounds like right on target. You know, you don't want to be in the keynote to focus on your, um, your subject for the conference. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, I will tell you that the, the, I think it was, I don't remember if it was the end of day one or maybe it was being of day two, there was a keynote and it was very emotional for some people. Like people were crying in the bathrooms and things like that. So it was definitely, you know, you don't, I told Becky and Enrique this, like, you're not supposed to go to Gartner for the fields, but they brought it this year. So there was definitely some, you know, some, some impact for, for some folks there, which is great. I think that's, you know, if you, it's one thing to go to a conference and be like, oh, you know, I learned something. There's another one. There's another level of conference, I think, where it's, oh, I felt something and it can be good. It can be bad, but it's more memorable. I think that way and maybe more impactful. And you know, it's good to see content like that out there. So I don't want to. I won't spoil it for folks, but there was a there was a good one there, and there were quite a few uh, folks who I think took that kind of message to heart that was there. So, you know, good good on you guys I think for, for bringing that. Yeah, the way you described that is great, and I think what might be coming through is that I didn't get to attend the keynotes. I spent the entire day Monday in my bed, sick as a dog, and um, actually, so in Texas they have these traveling nurses, and the nurses will come to your room. And hook you up to an IV bag and give you amino acids and um, like uh, what's it called um, steroid shots and stuff like that. You know, you saw me the night before, right? So at like <laughs> 10, 1030, I was fine. Yep. We were having dinner. I, I had a, a, I had two beers. I swear to God, two beers, not a lot. Within a couple hours, I was sick as a dog. And I don't know if it was food poisoning or just. Whatever was in been. me, just it, everyone else yeah. around you was fine. We were, everything was good. 
yeah, when you texted me that morning, I was like, oh, here we go again. Here comes another. Hey, we should go speak at, at a conference and Jim's going to leave me hanging out to dry again. But uh, yeah, I'm actually showed up to leave you out to dry. <laughs> but no, no. I, hey, man, if it wasn't for that IB, IV bag, I'm, I'm sure I would have left you out to dry. <laughs> Sorry to say. Well, no, we would have been fine, but I'm glad you're feeling better. You were, And you were fine, I think, by Tuesday night, it seemed like. so. Oh, Tuesday night, I felt great. Yeah. Yeah, that, it was basically the, I think the steroid shot was the biggest thing. So that takes like the inflammation down and everything. So you're getting, you're just wanting to get swollen jacked for our session. Let's just be honest here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, so that's, uh, you know, that's probably news. I don't think a lot of people maybe would have caught that like, on um, when we were doing our session on stage, but, uh, yeah, I think it, it but was, everyone it was a miraculous shoes, recovery. Right? Yeah. Everyone saw Everyone? your shoes. You had the whitest shoes known to man. They were blindingly white is what I heard from more than one person. I, I actually went to Dick's Sporting Goods and I saw them. And I was like, those are the shoes. So you got to scuff them up a little bit or something. But, no way, man. No yeah. way. Uh, let's see what other uh, sessions were good. Uh, Becky gave you a shout out uh, day three. Um, her her session around I am having a seat at the table, which is one of the questions that we asked in our session. But that was very cool. Um, I missed it because I was like three minutes late to get in. And I guess she uh, she gave you a shout out in the podcast shout. So thanks to Becky. You know, hopefully at some Becky's point. Becky's my favorite analyst. Uh, because of that. It. Yeah, She's my right f- there. <laughs> no, not well. So. Yeah, a lot of respect to her and I definitely appreciate the shout out, but like her focus is on how to run a good I am program, or at least Mm -hmm. one of her focuses. And you got to admit that's you and I where like, that's, that's our our wheelhouse, right in our wheelhouse. Yep. I saw a couple of her sessions and you know, she's a good speaker. I think that's one thing I envy about a lot of the Gartner folks is they are all really good presenters and they come up with such good content all the time. And I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm kissing butt here, but it was a good conference. I enjoyed myself. Um, I didn't attend as many sessions as I normally would because I was in the hallway having conversations with lots of people. It was great. Lots of listeners kind of came up, which is very cool. And having conversations with vendors and, you know, former clients and former colleagues, it felt a little bit like a high school reunion <laughs> to some degree. Yeah. Uh, but, in, sure. but, in a, but a good version of that, maybe not the nightmare version that maybe some people have. <laughs> and yeah, the exhibit hall was really w- well laid out and they had, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, I yeah, think cooking spon- that's all they King had to get sponsored me for. A, like a cafe in the back. And I saw a Ford rock had like a, a coffee station. Yeah. There was ice cream that at some point, really- but the cookies in the, in the expo hall, those are legit good, man. So I, I definitely mm. took part of that. That was my lunch one day. I had a cookie while I was talking to people and that's how I made it to dinner. Nice. Um, there was an article too, that we saw, I think it was from venture beat and yes, it was from venture beat. I'll have a link in our show notes, but there, you know, they kind of recap some other themes that are out there. Do you want to take us through that, Jim? Sure. Sure. It was like the four major themes. So the first one was avoiding breaches with identity threat detection and response ITDR. So ITDR actually, I think during our session with Henrique and Becky, um, this was the thing that he brought up, like. This is the game changer technology, right? We had Head Govetz on the podcast last Gartner session where he just kind of like was starting. I I felt like for me, my eyes were just being opened to ITDR. Um, And to me, it's like this layering of identity intelligence on top of IP technology and detection that has existed for a long time. But when you layer identity on top of it, it becomes 
so much more effective. Yeah, I kind of likened it to like what I thought UBA was going to become like 10 years ago. This is sort of like, I still feel it's like that evolution of taking data from systems you have and doing identity things with it is the way I look at doing it. Doing identity to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right, except I think UEBA fell flat. And I think part of it was where it came in in the, in the cycle of IT. I think feel like ITDR is sitting at a better time. Yeah, I feel like a UBA was maybe a little bit too soon. People were still maturing. People were still putting in their IGA and PAM platforms. And 10 years is an awful long time, right, to, to really see companies and or other organizations build out their identity capabilities. So, so maybe this is a better time. I, I, there are certainly you know, some, some good things that are coming through that space that are pretty exciting. So you and I were in consulting when UEBA was kind of the full life cycle. I almost feel like it's dead at this point. And someone can come on the show and like challenge me on that and say, no, it's far from dead, but I, nobody's talking about it anymore. But the, the term identity at the center. So Ash Marwala kind of like coined this phrase. And, and then I trademarked it. And then we traded it. Out. <laughs> you can't take it back. <laughs> you can't have it. Um, but the idea was, okay, connecting all these identity systems and UEBA was a big part of that. But it was kind of a standalone system that, you know, we said, okay, well, now we've got to build an interface from UEBA to SSO, to IGA, to PAM. If you don't have those interfaces, man, it's like useless. Like if all it can do is like throw up some dashboard that says, oh, this might be a problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, what good is that? Well, I think that's where we saw like the evolution of what we, what some vendors were calling themselves as like SIM 2.0. So Splunk and Exabeam and things like that, where, yeah, we had, you know, we as a company, we had built integrations, right, between like Exabeam and SailPoint and Exabeam and Centrify and kind of things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's otherwise you got the data in different silos and you try to pull it into a, gen, a generic security incident event monitor type approach. Now you've got I think identity has definitely taken a step forward. And even those products, you've got Microsoft Sentinel, you know, is out there. Identity just has, has kind of taken over. <laughs> so um, it, it's it's gratifying to see us. I feel like, okay, yeah, we were on the right track maybe a little bit too soon. And certainly those other companies are not hurting, right? They're doing really well and they have great products. But as a space, I think now is a better time for organizations to really start to look at the analytics component of their program and say, okay, do we have the, do we, are we collecting the necessary data? And then what are we doing with it? It seems like we're, probably in a better position now for people to actually start doing it in the real world instead of it being maybe a little bit more theoretical. So the next summit theme was identity first security should guide IAM strategy. 100% agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, when I was reading this, I was like, okay, our, I think we have to be careful that we don't pat ourselves on the back too much or, or kind of conflate our importance. But I don't think we are. It, it, it's interesting. We met with a CISO two, two weeks ago, a week before last, um, and he was talking about defense in depth. And it's like you never even hear about defense in depth anymore. Now it's all zero trust. Mm -hmm. So the defense in depth strategy is about the idea that you have the, these layers of security and that you'd have to have get past multiple layers of security in order to perform a bad action. Whereas zero trust assumes you're through those layers 
and says we have to, you know, to secure the data in the database, we have to secure the database, not stop the perpetrator at the firewall. I, I think they're both relevant. And that's why, you know, the, the, that's why I was asking myself that question of, okay, do, are we too wrapped around this identity for security? Identity is definitely key piece to all of this, but does that mean defense in depth has no value anymore? Well, I don't think it, I, I don't think it, defense and depth has gone away. I think it's almost assumed at this point that you've got security like an onion. <laughs> There's different layers or castle, right? You've got different sort of defenses in place. I think defense and depth is probably a marketing term, just like zero trust is. It's part of your strategy. Um, I certainly agree. Identity should be a very important part. Is it the most important? Depends on who you are. If you're 100% in the cloud and you don't have other layers of security or as many layers of security, yeah, maybe. Maybe it is the most important thing. Um, I also think, you know, we are in the identity industry. So we get it. There are way more people on the outside of the identity industry that probably don't quite get it yet. You know, you're kind of traditional, you know, security folks who are still, they grew up in the world of firewalls and, you know, building perimeters and moats and VPNs and things like that. And really just in the last, I would say, five to 10 years is when identity has really started taking hold of, oh, this isn't just an operational functionality. It should be part of our security strategy. So it takes a while, I think, for that message to get out and to, you know, for organizations, especially, you know, maybe larger ones or ones that aren't as agile to sort of shift around and start to move around priorities and investments and things like that to really take advantage of, you know, this new perimeter that we call identity. It's not new for us but it's probably still new for a lot of people out there who just, you know, they don't live and breathe it every day and they rely on others within their organization or their, you know, their networks to kind of help pull them up. So I think getting the word out is still a good idea for sure. Uh, we certainly believe in it. We didn't name this podcast, <laughs> with, you know, for, with, without that in mind. So um, maybe, maybe a little bit preaching to the choir, but I still think we still need to sing that song so people can hear it that aren't as involved in the identity space like we are. Yeah. Good feedback. So the third uh, summit theme was Keem, C-I-E-M, paves the way for two smarter strategies for enabling identity fabric immunity. Yeah, and this is an area that I'm interested in because I, I, I kind of mentioned this in our kind of preview episode. Um, cloud infrastructure entitlement management, Keem or Kim or however, however the heck we're pronouncing it. Um, I see the value for it. I don't know if people really understand it yet. Um, I think there were some head scratchers. There was a session on it. Uh, I want to say day two or maybe it was day three. And I caught a couple of people kind of walking out and kind of like, Hey, what do you think about that? And I think I kind of got a little bit of like a, a glossy eyed look like that was interesting. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with it yet. <laughs> so maybe this is sort of the next space uh, to kind of keep an eye out. You know, I hear something like identity fabric immunity, and that sounds really cool. And I also think, I don't know what the heck that means. So what does that even mean? I think we need to do a better job of sort of figuring out what the message is there in maybe more common language to be able to articulate it better, again, for the people who are not in the identity space or maybe don't have as much experience in it or, you know, whatever it may be. So maybe this is something we should do a show on in the future. I know you and I have talked about in the past. We've talked to like Jerry uh, Gable, right, from from Strata. And we've talked with John Morton from Britiv, you know, to name a few. You know, maybe this is an area that we come back on and try to get maybe a little more detail and sort of demystify it or, you know, level set it again, because I'm sure things have changed in the last 
six months of the year or something like that since we've had those guys on. Yeah. I, you know, I think the thing with Keem is the question I ask myself is, wasn't this required before there's cloud infrastructure? So it's going out and essentially identifying these are your over-provisioned accounts. And I think what it does to, in order to, to get that information is it interrogates the logs that are available from the infrastructure vendor. So Amazon or Microsoft and that goes back and analyzes those and spits out reports and you can automate actions, all kind of detective controls. So for me, I'm I'm hundred percent open to being convinced that I'm wrong here is that Keem only covers a portion of what you need to do. All right. And it is essentially just doing like log aggregation <laughs> analysis. And I, I think about, you know, if you're running a cloud, you've got to manage identities, you've got to manage authentication, privilege access, things like that. I don't think Keem really does those things. So it's only, you know, part of the solution. It's part of the solution that you kind of live without on the enterprise. But I think actually we probably should have had Keem for the enterprise prior to cloud infrastructure. So yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely a conversation for the future. We've got a few shows lined up coming up in the next few months where we're going to be talking about Keem and cloud infrastructure and best practices and all that stuff. So the fourth and final general theme was journey time IM orchestration delivers better user experience. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a lot to say in one sentence. <laughs> so I think really the way I take the takeaway I got from that is really, again, the seat of the table, right? We're not designing things in the silo. If you're designing an experience, you need to make sure you've got everything pulled together. It can't just be, hey, we're going to put single sign-on in and be done with it. It's okay, well, what's the journey look like from a user? This is probably more focused on the customer or consumer side of things, but certainly in the enterprise as well, right? You don't want people looking for ways around your, your identity apparatus, uh, right, from a security perspective. So I think understanding what the stakeholders are and what is the cohesive vision of how do you want this to work and trying to be strategic around it is really kind of the takeaway I took from that, um, from that statement. Yeah, you know, I worked with a client where they were really focused on building custom journeys that provided a good user experience for their constituents. Right? We'll call them constituents. It's kind of like the external member population. Um, and really, it's about really thinking through those journeys. So, for example, I think the example that was used in the VentureBeat article was around identity proofing and doing the, you know, the, you know, show your passport and then do a, a selfie, things like that. It, it has to flow. It has to make sense to the user. It has to be something that they're not going to abandon because it's inappropriately placed. Like, all I want to do is buy a book and now you're asking me to show my passport. Like that's the, the, what you get for that, that um, giving up that much of your private information is, you know, obviously not worth it in that scenario. So I, I think it makes sense. I think at, at a high level, like, again, these are themes, right? So it's how do you make appropriate journeys that include IAM workflows so that you're building a better customer experience and not a worse customer experience by you know, yes, we're going to improve your security 
yes, we have all this great technology, has to be appropriate, has to make sense to the end user, has to be intuitive. Yeah, I think that's true for everything, right? It's got to make sense. <laughs> Just because it's cool, maybe it's a cool thing, but maybe it doesn't make sense for whatever you're trying to build out there. Um, any final thoughts on the conference or we start to wrap things up? I think we can wrap things up, but, um, you know, I, I gotta say like, you know, I wish I was able to attend sessions, uh, due to my illness, I wasn't able to, but you know, it, from what I could tell it being in, um, what was it, in Grapevine, Texas, which is right near the Dallas Fort Worth airport. Um, the facility was really good. Um, again, you get that bubble feeling like you get inside the bubble and you almost don't want to leave the bubble. <laughs> and I think that you can kind of get that in Vegas, but because Vegas has such a draw to leave your resort. So my understanding is that the next Gartner conference is not going to happen until late next year. And it'll be back in Vegas. Yep. It'll be back. At, no, it won't be back in Vegas. It'll be back in Grapevine, Texas. So the same place that we were this time. Same location, but it will not be for another 18 months-ish. It'll be at the end of 2024. So plenty of time to prepare and, you know, get ready for that. Well, very cool. All right. So that's on a lighter note. What food could you eat the most amount of? Sushi. I've eaten. How much sushi do you so, think you could put away in one setting? Well, a couple of pounds. To the point where it's like pounds my, of sushi. Oh yeah, definitely pounds of sushi. Wow, definitely pounds of sushi. I mean, I I can eat up probably two pounds of sushi without, um, on like a regular weeknight, after working out especially. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a, there's several foods that I could do that too. Like Thanksgiving dinners is, a, is another one where I could just sit there and eat like three helpings of Thanksgiving dinner and being such pain. It's not a good thing though. Not a good thing. What about you? It's funny you mentioned the Thanksgiving thing. I never overeat on Thanksgiving. I'm usually like a one plate and done. And it's not even like that, that stacked or anything like that. Uh, well, I'm, I'm a simple man. I'll say something like chips, <laughs> right? I can, I could certainly do a bag of Doritos or, you know, some chip variety snack variety. I don't know if I could do two pounds of sushi or something like that, but, um, you know, I'm more of a snacker type person. You know, I think Oreos by the sleeve should be the uh, dietary, like the, should be like the, you know, the serving size. I think it's difficult to eat like one of those. I, I'm more of a muncher that like that kind of thing. So if you could have a robot that would just sit there and like dunk your Oreos for you and feed them to you, would you do it? A robot? No, because I think part of the joy is dunking it yourself, right? You get a little bit of the milk on your fingers and, you know, you kind of work through that. Like, you know, I want I got to do something to burn some of those calories. I'll just keep getting rounder and rounder. (laughs) You do the dunking. Um, (laughs) Right. We'll end up like idiocracy, the movie or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. I actually do like, I do like Oreos. Hmm. You got me thinking now, Jeff. Yeah. I wasn't thinking desserts. It's only thinking like, you know, I love chocolate. I mean, things like M&Ms, chocolate covered almonds, like those kinds of things. What about caramellos? I don't know if I've ever had a caramello. I think I picture it, but I don't know if I think it's too chewy, probably maybe. No, they're not chewy at all, actually, but they are too messy. The 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 caramel is like like well, what is it first of all? What's that? Is it like chocolate covered caramel? Is that what I'm thinking? Chocolate covered caramel in like bar form. And 
the caramel is very loose. Mm. So like if you bite it in the middle of the square, it would just run everywhere. Okay. So I think I know what you're like talking about. I didn't know if that's what it was called, but yeah, those are good. Yes. And then the other is like, that. like Heath or score bars. Uh, I don't, I don't, not a Heath or a score bar. I'm not a toffee type of person. Oh yeah. And it gets like jammed up in your teeth. Yeah. Give me a Snickers bar. I'll, I'll house Snickers bars. Like it's nobody's business. <laughs> How many Snickers bars do you think you could eat? Uh, an unhealthy amount. Let's just leave it that way. so i got a funny story when i was in elementary school it was a parent teacher night and i went with my dad and um went to sit with the teacher and she's like i'd like to show you something gets my dad and walks back to my desk it was one of those old desks where it like flipped up and you put all your stuff and it was (laughs) full of candy wrappers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't see anything candy wrong with that. in the school eating no. <laughs> but could you imagine like a fifth grader on like such a sugar high? Mm. Do you remember those uh, like fundraiser packs of like M&Ms where they were like the boxes? Mm-hmm. Um we would do M&M shooters and basically we'd buy a box like the little, you know, not not the full box with all the all the different mini boxes in it, but here's a box of M&Ms meant for fundraising and we would eat them all at the same time. So you'd have a mouth full of an entire package of M&Ms. Yeah. Can you imagine trying to teach, (laughs) teach us after that? Or imagine if you got like all of a sudden, like really bad cough and they like flew out of your mouth. (laughs) Gross. All right. That's a good spot. (laughs) Thanks Jim for bringing us down a level again. Uh, We're going to go ahead and leave it there. Um, Yeah. So uh, as the great Bill Belichick once said, we're on to Cincinnati. Next up for us is Identiverse coming up uh, at the end of May. Uh, we have a special discount code for all of our listeners. It's IDV-ICEN20. I'll have it in our show notes. So if people want to grab it, they get 20% off their registration, which is very cool. So um, I know a couple of people have already taken advantage of it. It doesn't unfortunately apply if you've already registered. But if you haven't, you're late to the game. Here's a little bit of saving grace that people can use for that. So. Again, that'll be Identiverse coming up at the end of May. That is in Las Vegas, so Jim and I will see you there. I think we're going to try to plan another event for the for the uh, kind of podcast community maybe to sync up. We'll kind of figure out what that looks like. Vegas, I feel, is like a little bit tougher because if you don't get in soon, you kind of lose you know locations that are kind of convenient, and then you end up having to drive or, or you know get an Uber or something like that. So we still got to. Well, let's also be like. realistic. Vegas is going to be like. 10 times more expensive than Grapevine, Texas. <laughs> That's exactly. So uh, if you're looking to sponsor, hit us up. We'd love to partner up with folks. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's go ahead and leave it there for this week. We're on the web, idacpodcast.com. We're on Twitter, at idacpodcast. If you were lucky enough to get one of our fancy stickers at Gartner, throw it on a laptop, throw it on somewhere, take a picture, send it to me. I'd be happy to feature it on our on our Twitter channel. We're on Mastodon at IDAC podcast at infosec.exchange. Jim and I are always on LinkedIn, always talking with folks and happy to connect with our listeners. And don't forget to like and subscribe this. That's the best way that you can help us out um, and, you know, keep us going with new episodes. So with that, we'll go ahead and leave it for this week. Jim, as always, thanks for your time. Glad to see you healthy and hale at the end of the week compared to where we started. And uh, we'll talk with everyone in the next one. You've been listening to Identity at the Center. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. 
and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at identityatthecenter.com and find us on Twitter at IDAC Podcast. See you next time on Identity at the Center.